Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Welcome into Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on podcasts, both Amazon, as well as Apple and Android devices. We're also available on our website at www.pricefg.com. This is Matt Sudol and Matt May coming to you, Wealth Managers here at Price Financial Group. How are you today, Mr. Matt? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Not too bad. I mean, we have decent weather. It's not rained as much, although now that I said it, it'll probably go into rainy season. But the winter storms behind us, although weather has gotten colder again, and, you know, markets are moving stable, I would say, in general. We've had a lot of data come out, so I wanted to come on and make sure we talk to our listeners about things we're hearing and seeing in the economy and things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely an active year. Lots going on. Of course, into 2024, the S&P 500 has cracked into new all-time highs, and that's been exciting to see. So you and I were financial advisors, wealth managers, when the market's at all-time highs. Our sense of our job is pretty much at all-time highs. So that's a fun experience for us. Well, it's good to see it, you know, and we've talked about the breadth of the market, and that's one of the things we wanted to focus on today. Certainly. Because a lot of the market, and when we say the market, a lot of people kind of gravitate to the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest U.S. companies. And numerous times over the last year and change, we've been talking about how that's a indicator or that's a measuring stick for the economy as well. However, the S&P 500 is largely skewed towards what has been named the Magnificent Seven. Right. And so those are the companies that have outperformed by a very, very, very large margin. And there's lots and lots of companies within the 500, you know, the other 493 that have underperformed or, you know, uh, whether it be flat or actually lost money over the last year and change. Mm -hmm. So some of those companies include, you know, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Netflix, Tesla, Alphabet, Alphabet in there. And you're talking Apple. companies. That, why do 
such a small amount of companies, why does that affect the S&P 500 so greatly? Is that the size of those companies are just massive. Right. You know, you're talking near a trillion to well over a trillion dollars of valuation when you add up all their shares times those share prices. And right. Because there's such a big piece of the S&P 500, and then they've just skyrocketed in value, you've got these seven horses of the 500 horse S&P 500 that have just raced so far ahead. It's just made the S&P 500 you know, go to new all-time highs. Right. And those outsized gains are just, it really truly is a phenomenon that seven companies were responsible for so much of those gains in the S&P 500 yeah. over the last year, year and a couple months. Pulling up numbers here, and this is just looking at it, and, you know, equal weighted S&P 500, meaning if the 500 companies were equal players in mm-hmm. it, yeah, every company was just the same size, and then what did those individual companies yeah, do? Yeah, it would have they would have performed somewhere in the five to six percent range over the last twelve months, versus looking at the overall S and P five hundred with the magnificent seven in there. We're looking north of twenty percent. So if we're trying to account for it, that extra fifteen percent of gains or so have been contributed by the seven companies we just mentioned, right? Know? And so that's very skewed. And does that mean you know, we're in trouble. Not necessarily. Those companies do control a large part of our market, but nobody likes monopolies, I don't think. I mean, the game's fun, monopoly, right? But I love the game myself. Yeah. But we always try to think of like, how can we make sure that everybody's getting their fair share? And that's part of why we're seeing this and kind of making sure we're, I don't know, sounding the alarms, but just talking about the fact that there are par- other companies in the United States and internationally, right? In emerging markets and such where, you know, are there pockets of opportunity that have been created, but these companies just going really crazy. And one thing that we have noticed starting this year is if we look at this equal weighted S&P 500 index, you know, it's up probably between one and 2% at the moment versus the S&P again, outperforming it's up maybe in North of five. However, if we look at the last month, Companies like, you know, Tesla and Microsoft and actually even Apple have finally underperformed the overall S&P 500 or, you know, are lagging a little bit, which would account for almost half. Now, the other half is, again, off to the races. We've got companies like NVIDIA, Netflix, Meta or Facebook that have continued to do really well with earnings. But what we're potentially going to see, and this is, you know, uncertain, is a breath of market being added to where more companies start participating in it. Right. Because of the fact that that's just, you know, at some point that should happen. Things should come back to an equilibrium. How long will it take? We don't know. But a lot of times we say when things zig, other things zag, right? That's Mm -hmm. what I say. And so if you have things in your portfolio that maybe are zigging right now, other things are zagging, and then maybe they switch, it would be good to continue to have a you know, overall diversified portfolio. Now, diversified portfolio does not prevent loss at all. And that's, you know, obviously disclosure out there. But if you have more of multiple things, then it allows you to be, you know, better protected from potential wins that happen in certain sectors. Yeah, those market shocks. Yeah, yeah just things could from shift. Those shocks. When will it happen? We don't know. But we're seeing a little bit of a few companies starting to maybe take a breath and saying, okay, let's give the other 493 companies opportunity to (laughs) run to run higher yeah yeah and so one of the things we wanted to also touch on so first of all again always if you have questions or if you'd like to 
take a look at your portfolio to see, am I overweighted in those companies? Has it been a really good run? And maybe it's time to reposition or maybe not. Give us a call here at the office. We're at 503-253-3000 for a complimentary consultation. Yeah, I'd say looking at those companies about that idea, we follow a lot of different avenues of research. And one of the biggest ones that we use is Morningstar's research. And coming into 2023, last year, they had a lot of four and five star ratings on those Magnificent Seven companies. And most of them are now rated at about a three star, meaning they've gone up so much in value that they've reached or maybe exceeded slightly their fair market value. Like if you're going to the store and buying something, right. if it's worth a dollar, you're paying a dollar one, dollar two, you're pretty close right. to fair market value. Some of those are at like a dollar twenty. Yeah. You're yeah. paying a dollar twenty for something they feel is worth a dollar. And then you have other sectors of the economy that might be around sixty cents or eighty cents of a sale, which Right. You know. And I, that's it, really the underlying point that we're trying to make is that yeah. those companies have definitely made a lot of money for a lot of people. And now that they've reached kind of fair market value, it doesn't mean that they're going to stop going higher. Right. And we're not saying just exit those positions completely, but it might be a good idea to, hey, you've made such large gains on those. It might make sense to either take some gains or a significant amount and diversify into those areas of the economy that are undervalued and could potentially, you know, do quite well over the next two, three, four years. Absolutely. And each situation is completely different. It's very hard to obviously make a statement that would apply to, you know, most people even. So we encourage people to give us a call. We can chat, sit down, take a look at what you have and seeing if it makes sense within your goals or with your goals rather for your situation. One of the things that, you know, comes up as a question is, okay, so we're seeing potentially slowing down in some of those companies, or we may not, but how do we get the other 493 companies to start moving and going in the right direction? Well, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we, and I listened to it, it was a very short (laughs) segment, 60 Minutes was on and Jerome Powell was on there. I listened to it. It was available on YouTube. I think you could pull it up. And And as we know, Jerome Powell, the... Fed chairman. Fed chairman, very important person. He has so far, seems to be doing a really good job of trying to get us to what they're quote unquote calling a soft landing. So, you know, people disagree or agree what he's doing at the moment. Right. But it's really hard to tell until we're, you know, a couple, three years out of a problem like we are currently in. And so we'll see. So far, it seems like he's using logic. Anyway, what's funny about 60 Minutes is I'm pretty sure his actual interview was only like 12 or 13 minutes and there was commercials and other things that they did. But again, 60 minutes, he came on and was talking about the fact that, you know, unemployment is really, really low, meaning we're employed very Mm. well, 50-year high. He's bluntly stated that their job is not done. And that's one of the things that we've talked about before is don't fight the Fed, meaning don't try to overthink things or just assume that, hey, you know, they're saying they're going to not cut rates. No, they must be joking. They will cut rates. If they're telling you they're going to cut rates, they will at some point. And so they're talking about the fact that their job is not done. Their job is to restore price stability, which ties right into inflation. Now, Mm -hmm. this 60-minute episode was on before the February data for inflation came in. I do think that there's a good chance he probably got a whiff of what's coming in the report. I mean, he is the federal chairman, so I would think he probably gets some information ahead of time. Anyway, what happened was with inflation is it came in a little bit higher than we expected. You know, the expectations were set depending on what you're looking at. If you're looking at the index that's without food and energy, or as he calls core CPI, year over year, that came in at 
3.1, which was a deceleration from a 3.4. However, the overall inflation came in hotter than expected. And so it wasn't a problematic number to where the market wasn't like just, an, a yeah. super eye popping thing, but it just the fact that the needle moved the other way, the wrong way. The Fed says, hey, we've got two things that we're focused on, the unemployment, which is great, and inflation, which needs to come down. Yeah, because basically came in at 3.9 year over year versus a 3.7, what they mm-hmm. were expecting. Now, their target is to be in the twos. He alluded to it being in the twos. It doesn't have to be too flat. It could be two point something. And so as long as we can back to the twos, I think they'll be comfortable potentially looking to cut rates. Now, he did say that, you know, they're probably not going to cut rates in March before the numbers came out. Now we know that it's probably not happening. The can got kicked down the road a little bit. What they're trying to do is suffocate inflation. I just hate the word, I guess, but it's basically what they're trying to do is mm-hmm. how do we get the number down so that way it doesn't reignite itself? Because if we cut rates too soon, problem is, you know, people will go out spending and businesses will start roaring back up. And then what happens again? Inflation. Could cause inflation. Yeah. That's what happened in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. They raised interest rates to combat inflation. They said, high fives, everyone. We've beat it. And then they lowered rates right away. And then inflation just came back and went to double digits. Exactly. Sky high. Yeah. And we don't want that. And so the thought process is, okay, let's continue to keep rates higher for longer, which basically means no additional hikes likely, but the rates the way they are are going to stay a little bit longer. Now, what does that mean? Well, they did say that they're going to cut rates at some point in 2024, but we're only in February, which means as we head into the rest of the year, they've got plenty of runway. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're kicking the can to maybe June now, the summertime, who knows? And the economy at large has tolerated the higher interest rates that we've seen for quite some time. Yes, it has. Yeah. We're we've, s- we've marched into all-time highs in the S&P 500, so we always need to separate the economy from the stock market cuz the stock market tends to look a year ahead, maybe even 18 months out, whereas the economy is, hey, are we hiring? Are we firing? Yeah, what's going on? What is the consumer doing? Yeah. And the consumer is really a huge part of the economy. It's about 70% of the economy actually is the U.S. consumer or maybe even global consumers of U.S. products. So that is really the big driver of how this story, this saga with inflation and interest rates plays out. If the U.S. consumer and the global consumer stays strong, we probably will have that soft landing perhaps. Potentially. Potentially. And then it's this game, right? If they hold it higher too long, it could push us into recession. If they cut it too soon, mm-hmm. it could push us back into higher inflation. So they're just really... They're being careful. To, yeah. But you know, in their space, they know that going into a recession is, I think, lesser of a problem than cutting too soon and reigniting inflation. Because right. then we may go to depression if they have to cut very quickly, or sorry, increase rates and do everything backwards, cut right. inflation back down. So... Mm-hmm. That's why they're kind of falling towards, you know, longer, higher, longer, it's okay. Because in reality, what's an extra one, two, three months, you know? To us, it doesn't seem like a long time to companies, to businesses that are planning. We're seeing layoffs. I mean, maybe you or your family has been affected by layoffs. I think Nike just announced a 2% layoff here. And I'm guessing I mean, a lot of their positions are in Oregon. And other companies are following suit and cutting jobs. Layoffs are one sign of a slowing economy. Right, just trying to be perhaps 
looking at the bottom line and saying, yeah. okay, what orders are coming in or what services need to be provided and let's match our personnel. With, yeah, trying with to get what, leaner what for seeing. potentially a need in the future to go back up. So anyway, that's a good conversation about inflation and about economy and Mr. Jerome Powell, which he's... You know, he's the driver of the economic ship. Right now he is. He's got a lot of people on that help him, obviously. He gets lots of research data, and there's a voting thing that happens before rates get you know increased, cut, or otherwise. So we have faith that he'll continue to do that. But if you're sitting there thinking about you know the market volatility we've had recently, which again, has been mild, but there's been a few days where markets sold off pretty you know dramatically for recent past. I mean, one, 2% moves. I think one of the days the Russell was down, I think, three plus percent, almost four. So that's a pretty big drop. That's an outsized move, historically. Number one, I mean, market volatility is normal, and we should be seeing it. The less we see of it, the more we're actually worried, because it's just not normal for things to continuously go up. Uh, That's complacency, and you have to worry about that. Yeah. But if any of this is of interest to you, and if you'd like to take a look at how does this apply to my particular situation, give us a call for a complimentary consultation. We're at 503 253 3000. You can also text us at 503-253-3000. We'll take a quick break and be back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you again for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on podcasts, both Apple and Android, and on our website at www.pricefg.com. And you can also catch us on Amazon as well. I was going to say, we also recently have added ourselves to Amazon, so we're on there as well. If you have any trouble getting a hold of the show, give us a call or shoot us an email. Our phone number here is 503 Two five three three thousand, And then before we jump back into the show, again, if you would like to take advantage of a complimentary consultation, we're available at 503-253-3000. So thanks everyone for coming back after the break. We spent a little bit of time talking about the very exciting world of economics, as well as our Fed chairman, Jerome Powell in his 60 Minutes on TV recently. Yep, and a good discussion on the Magnificent Seven, those seven S&P 500 companies that have delivered outsized gains and helped propel the S&P 500 to new all-time highs recently. And one thing that actually happened that was not a rate hike. So we haven't had a rate hike, but rates did go up. So markets, you know, they they go up and down, and the rate market moves quite a bit too. And so... And I'll clarify with that, the Federal Reserve controls the short-term rates, which is called the Fed funds rate. That might be what banks lend each other and what might filtrate to money market rates and short-term CDs. But then the market controls longer rates like the 10-year treasury, the 20- and 30-year bonds. And so, you know, we had seen the 10-year treasury march 
a little bit higher than 5% mm-hmm. within the last eight months yeah. or so. Back in October, it got up to just about five. And then we had a steep, steep decline all the way down to where we bottomed out about 3.8 almost just about at the end of the year. That's a 1.2% move out of, you know, starting from five and going to 3.8. That is a big move. Mm-hmm. That's a and, monster move. Yep. And then of course we had another monster move back up. So now we're back up to 4.2 to 4.3 range mm-hmm. on our way back up without the Fed changing their short term rates, as you said, but right. indicating or kind of guiding us along their thought process. Mm-hmm. When will they cut? When will they pivot and do all those things. So there are advantages that we wanted to talk about and disadvantages of interest rates being this high outside of, you know, the Magnificent Seven, the S&P 500 and all that. Yeah. Rewind back to July of 2020, the 10-year treasury bottomed out at 0.4%. Wow. So now when you're seeing 4.3%, that's darn near 11 times higher interest than we were seeing just about four years ago. Yeah. So it was a lot of pain for conservative investors to get from there to here. Yeah. If you owned bonds over the last four years, typically most bonds go down when interest rates go up. Yeah. Just like a seesaw. On one side, you have interest rates. On the other side, you have your money in bonds. And so it's been largely a painful four years for those investors. But now that we're here at higher rates... You know, it's not that the 10-year treasury is extremely high, historically speaking. It's probably pretty close to average, actually, where we're at right now, historically speaking. It's been a lot higher. It's been a lot lower. Yep. But, you know, it's pretty close to average. If you were to jump in that time machine you just mentioned, go mm-hmm. back to 2020, savings accounts were paying nothing. Yep. CDs were getting a I mean, quarter of a percent. Hey, would you like year? a five-year CD at a half a percent was kind of the conversation, right? Versus now, you know, you probably get 5% CDs. Again, on a very short term, I mean, under a year typically. And so that's the good, right? right. Savings yeah. accounts, because they are short term because they're liquid, 4 to 5% range, just someone in that range. Treasuries, U.S. government treasuries being, you know, what is... I'm still seeing 5% plus on U.S. Yep, treasuries over five. a shorter time frame. Yeah, you're feeling three, six months. So all of those rates are in a, you know, good spot, I would think, for savers, people that have savings, people that are retiring or heading towards that goal of retiring at some point where you can get a stable, you know, quote unquote, stable rate for your retirement money or otherwise. Yeah. And north of 5% on those stable rates is really, really great. In my opinion, I've been an advisor for, I don't know, 14 and a half years now. Within the last six months or so, this is the first time in my career where safe money is earning a higher interest rate than the rate of inflation. Right. Yeah. No, when inflation has... As we talked about in prior segment, even at 3.9, if you're getting four, north of 4% returns, you are not by a lot, but you know, staying above inflation, which is nice to see. And so why do we bring it up? Well, the good things like CDs, treasuries, fixed options of products of any sort are up and insurance companies are very excited about these things as well. So fixed annuities, fixed index annuities, things that are you know tied to interest rates are paying slightly more favorable rates. And so if you've been sitting on the sidelines thinking about what do I do? Markets have marched higher. I'm sitting in cash, or maybe you've been in the markets and you are thinking about taking some profits off the table or just repositioning yourself, maybe because, you know, this has been going on for a few years. So maybe you're getting closer to that retirement zone. And I will interject real quick, looking at it, our belief is if you're going to spend this money in the next one year, whether it's to fund retirement living expenses or a some type of larger purchase or travel or 
just home repair needs, just anything that you're going to be spending on in the next one year, we do recommend that it should not be invested in right. anything with volatility. Yeah. But even if you're looking out in the future, if the Fed is successful of getting inflation down in a 2% range, and maybe you're able to lock some rates in for three to five years at like, you know, five, north of 5% maybe, or even in mid to high fours, not a terrible idea, potentially. It all depends on scenarios and depends on the client's needs and whatnot. We got to discuss it. But you know, depending on what your required rate of return is in order to achieve your goals and for the plan to work, maybe somebody can be parked in a vehicle like that to where hypothetically, and we don't know this because our crystal ball is very cloudy, don't know, but could be sitting here three years from now, CDs are paying 2% and maybe you have something that's paying you five and a half or because yeah, you locked it in now and we're looking to you yeah. in the future. And because the Federal Reserve, again, they're on the short end of the yield curve, like short end meaning time, the three-month rate or six-month rate, when they're lowering rates, it's going to affect that universe the most. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a, I don't know if I'm going to call it a warning, but just a wake-up call for everybody out there that's thinking about, oh, I should just keep things in a money market because it's paying four to five. I should keep it in six, nine-month CDs because they are paying well. Well, what's going to happen in six to nine months when those things mature? Or what will happen when the feds decide to cut rates? And I'll tell you that if you were to go to Yahoo Finance and pull up treasury or pull up to two-year or any of those investment vehicles and to see the volatility, rates can change really fast, meaning the banks aren't going to wait around. Meaning if a bank's paying you, let's say hypothetically 4%, if the Fed cuts rates by a quarter, I'm guessing within a week, <laughs> and this is just a guess, they're going to immediately cut the rates because they were slow to raise the rates. All the banks have slowly kind of moved their way up, just kind of one-upping each other. It's like, okay, you're going up yet? Okay, we're going to go up too. But the, on the flip side, it's going to be a race to the bottom. How quickly can we cut them? Because to them, it's a liability to pay you the interest. Sure. So keep all that in mind. And if you've got either cash on the sidelines, if it's money you're not necessarily needing for the long term, there's a solution potentially for that. Short term, as Matt said, there are ideas we have as well. And all of it ties back into a bigger and kind of a more in-depth strategy. And that is our retirement simplified roadmap that we take listeners through if they want to give us a call. So sure. our number here again is 503-253-3000 if you'd want to take advantage of that. There is one other thing that we're going to start chatting about right now and then finish towards the end of the show because it's something that happened here locally, right, Matt? And you were talking about how the negative impact of interest rates caused a pretty significant building here in Portland to go into trouble. Yeah. So of course, we talked about the positives of interest rates going higher, where are the pockets of the pain that we've seen from the higher rates? And our own Montgomery Park, a landmark building here in Portland, it sold in 2019 for $255 million, mm -hmm. and it just got turned over to the bank for $37 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so Montgomery like, Park is a pretty big Portland Building. Oh, it's iconic, if, if you're yeah. driving and you're seeing it right there, I don't remember what the, the bridge you're on, but you're looking out, you can see Montgomery Park. I know lots of companies have had headquarters there, a few banks and other places. I think Adidas had a store there, for example. And so it's the old Montgomery Ward building from 1921. So yeah. it got turned back over to the bank and it went on auction for, you said, $32 million? Uh, 37 .7 37.7 million. Was, and actually, there were no bidders on it. They had just going into the auction, there's what's called a credit bid. Say, hey, if there's no bidders, you know, we'll have this be the floor of the bid. And that was from Natixis. They put in 
a $37.7 million credit bid. It went to auction and there was nobody that even bid on it. Well, that's sad. At $37.7 million for an iconic... That sold for 200 plus million. 255 in 2019. Not that long ago. And comparably, you know, the Broadway Tower in 2020 sold for $773 per square foot. Oh, wow. So that's a, you know, cost per square foot, 773 bucks. This Montgomery Park sale equates to about $52 per square foot. What a discount. Well, somebody got a deal and hopefully that building comes back to life. But this is the negatives of interest rates. Right. Let's talk about why and where it's going to happen. You know, it's happening all over the country, not just in Portland. That pandemic caused a lot of people to work from home. Interest rates have skyrocketed. Now, when owners of these buildings are going to the lenders say, hey, I had a five-year loan at $255 million and I owe $129 million left, which is around what they did. And you know now they're not able to make those payments because occupancy is super low. Yeah. And they're getting fees. It was something like $20 million in fees for late payments, like defaulting on right. their loan. So. They have no choice. They can't refi it. And they have to turn it over to the banks. And I think that that's going to be a widespread issue. The Fed even mentioned they're concerned about it. Janet Yellen, even Jerome Powell has said, hey, it's a manageable problem, quote unquote, manageable. But they see that on their radar. And if they're mentioning it, they're concerned about it. They are. So we'll take another quick break. And then towards the end of the show, we'll talk about this a little bit more and answer a couple of questions that came through. If you have questions that you would like to have posed on the show, go ahead and text those over to us. We're at 503 253-3000. You can also send us a text if you'd like to take advantage of our complimentary consultation. So stick with us. We'll be back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. I'm Bo Caldwell, President and CEO here at Price Financial Group. We've now started the part of the show that we like to call Your Estate Planning Made Simple. And joining me as usual when we do this show is the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Crandall, who is the head of eLegacy Law. And Ryan, you're one of the founders as well, right? A partner there and a founder of the firm? I am, yeah. Perfect. Well, see, this is, folks, when you're listening, I only get the big dogs to come on here. We got to get the most important people to answer your estate planning questions because just like we want to make your retirement planning, your financial planning simplified, we want to make sure your estate planning is simplified too. So your estate planning made simple here with Ryan Crandall of E-Legacy Law. If you have a question that's been keeping you up about your estate planning, and that could be anything to do with how to pass your assets once you pass away, anything that a an estate planning attorney we'd need to answer, it'd be great if you could send that to askbo at pricefg.com. And then I can make sure that I ask Ryan on our weekly segment on here to make sure that we get those questions answered. Because I can assure you, if it's a question that's been keeping you up at night, it's a question that's been keeping others up at night too. And we want to make sure we're bringing you the best content we can at all times. So Ryan, I have had a couple people ask, 
the difference when you're talking about estate planning. You know, most of the time we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, folks that are older that have saved up a lot of money. We talk about estate tax because maybe they're going to hit that estate tax threshold. But in those situations, usually the folks that are inheriting the money or that they're leaving the money to, if they're leaving it to family, are grown. But sometimes there are situations where someone's doing estate planning because estate planning can really involve minor children. You know, if you have a child that's under 18 or multiple children under 18, I would imagine that the planning becomes maybe a little more complicated or at least just you have to tweak some different levers, different than if you're, you know, they're all grown. Yeah, certainly. You know, there are different conversations that we're having, you know, with clients who have have younger children and um, you know, really everybody should have an estate plan, you know, so it's not just for, you know, when you're reaching retirement age and your children are grown and you've accumulated, you know, wealth and assets. Uh, it's also for the younger families. You know, that can be just as important uh, to have kind of that insurance in place if something were to happen to you. And, and we want to make sure your younger children are taken care of. That makes sense to me. So if we're talking about younger children or minor children, what are some of the differences that people should be, you know, making sure they're aware of? Maybe some pitfalls that you've seen working with families that if they didn't find that piece or, you know, you've helped them to make sure that they cover those pitfalls. I'm going to use pitfalls. I like it. Or potholes in their road. Right. Yeah. Number one is just the importance of having a plan. And, you know, a lot of younger families don't necessarily think of this and they assume everything is going to be okay, but, you know, accidents and illnesses happen. And, and so we want to have that plan in place where, you know, one of the most important decisions is who to name as guardian for our children. You know, really, who's going to step into your shoes if something happens to you and, and the spouse? And, and now we have minor children that need to be taken care of. Who is in charge with, you know, their physical well-being and their custody? And who's going to step in, into that role as, you know, quasi-parent for them? And so, we make those decisions in our estate plan, in particular our wills, is where we elect our choices for guardians for our minor children. And so those are very important documents to have. You know, if nothing else, we don't, don't necessarily need to have a complex trust or a complex estate plan. But at the very least, you know, for you know, individuals with minor children, we want those documents in place. Um, you know, aside from that, secondly, I would say that uh, we want to talk about you know, the financial well-being and the care for our children. And how are we ensuring that that happens, that they have the resources available to them, that those resources are going to be appropriately managed, and that we're putting them in a place to be able to succeed financially and, and not be a financial burden on anyone else. That makes sense. And so what you just described, and it occurs to me to ask, so we've got someone that's named as a guardian, you know, for those children, right? whether that's, you know, maybe, you know, a sibling or a family friend, maybe their godparent, something like that. So you just mentioned that part, but then you also mentioned the financial well-being part. So are those often the same person or maybe sometimes are they different people that someone that's in charge of the financial piece of, you know, my children's well-being? I'll use myself as an example. I have three minor children. So if my wife and I passed away, do I have the same person who's in charge of their physical well-being as in charge of their financial well-being, or sometimes are they different people or what have you really seen in your practice? Yeah, you know, really it depends. And so that's part of designing a plan and, and part of the discussions that we have with clients is, you know, do we have the same person for those roles or do we, uh, we split those up and provide, you know, maybe little checks and balances. And, you know, ultimately it depends on the family and the individuals and their goals so there's not really a right or wrong answer. Sometimes it makes sense to 
you know, uh, grandma and grandpa are going to be the guardians and they're great with finances. And so we, you know, trust them to do both of those roles. Or maybe it's, you know, I want my sister to be their guardian, but she doesn't know what she's doing when it comes to money. And so let's maybe involve somebody else in that part. And they're going to be kind of, you know, overseeing the financial side and, and sister can go to that person, you know, when it comes to, you know, requests for financial assistance. Sure, that makes sense. And so do you find that, you know, occasionally that could cause, I don't want to call it headbutting, but, you know, in your experience, is that, you know, is there, I know you said it depends, and so I don't want to pin you mm -hmm. down on that, but is there one that you generally prefer with the caveat that always it depends on the situation and it's obviously up to the person doing the planning, right? Because that's, it's what they want to have happen after their passing, right? But is there something that in your experience has been easier or has one been harder? Yeah, certainly, you know, if there's one person that we trust completely to do both of those roles, you know, serve as the guardian and manage the finances, that's just from a logistic standpoint, that's the much easier option. Sure. But, you know, sometimes that, again, we, we might trust that person to watch over our kids and be that parent figure, but not necessarily make the investment decisions. And there's different ways to kind of separate those roles as well, you know, where we can have, you know, co-trustees and we have trustees that are over managing the investments and trustees that are in charge of making distributions. So there's lots of different ways that we can design that. And again, that's part of the design process is, you know, in our meetings with clients, we really ask, you know, some deeper questions about, okay, now tell me about your sister. Tell me about your parents. What are their strengths and weaknesses? And and how is this actually going to work? And kind of talking through, you know, what that will actually look like and coming up with, you know, the, the best possible solution. So that's yeah, an important, I think, reason to involve a professional in, in these sure. discussions who, you know, we've seen where plans work out well and, and where they uh, can get messy. And so, you know, those are really important decisions in picking, selecting the right individual for these roles and, you know, an important part of the design process. That makes a lot of sense to me. And so, you know, the question that I have then is, so who makes sure that, you know, like who's overseeing that if I'm gone, right? I've left that, or is that just kind of out of my hands? Yeah. So, you know, our, our choices of guardians and choices of trustees are really important. Typically when we have minor children, uh, we have their share of the estate being managed in a trust long-term. Now, if you didn't do any planning um, and we have minor children and assets being left to those minor children, typically what happens is those assets get put in a custodial account mm. and their guardian or custodian has control over it, but usually it's just up until age 18. And so that child could come into a bunch of money at age 18. And so if we want to avoid that, we would use trust to provide you know more long term you know maybe through their college years or beyond and we can be much more creative in designing those and so you brought up a good question is how do we oversee and make sure that our wishes get carried out well our choice of trustee is really important and in selecting the right person or an entity for that job sometimes we might consider a professional trustee or trust company we also can use what are called trust protectors and that's a role that's kind of out it's not the same as a trustee, it's kind of overseeing the trustee and a trust protector. Um, it could be a family member, it could be a professional, but their job is to kind of just sit back. They're not involved in the day-to-day, -day, but they're there to ensure that the trustee is carrying out the terms of the trust and your wishes, and they have authority to step in if there's a problem. So trust protector is, is something that we might talk about as well. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing that I've seen, or you know, and we did this when we went through our estate planning, is when you're deciding on who the guardian, who's going to be taking care of my kids. The question that I was asked when we went through the process was, okay, well, you know, your mom's going to be in charge of the kids, but what happens if mom's not there and stepdad's there? Is he still in charge of the kids or is mom is there by herself? Is she in charge of the kids? You know, those kind of questions go into it too, I would imagine, right? There's all these different layers to who's going to be taking care of them. Yeah. And it depends on how we set up those documents. You know, do we have both, you know, mom and stepdad as co-guardians? Do we have one as first and the second as the alternate or just one? And so, you know, we don't assume that it automatically will go to the other spouse. You know, that's part of our the discussion is, you know, do we have co-guardians, a single guardian, and what is the true order of succession there? That makes a lot of sense. And then the big key I would imagine that you probably advise clients on is make sure that these people know and are willing to be that guardian for those kids, right? Because I would imagine you have a lot of folks that think, oh, well, you know, this family friend, she's a great mom, she's great with kids, her kids are my kids' best friends. You know, they'll step in and take care of our kids, and then you go, oh, wait, maybe she doesn't want to do it. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I generally always recommend to clients that, you know, when they're putting together this plan, let's have conversations with at least the individuals who are going to be stepping into those roles and carrying out the plan. And I think that's always a kind and and considerate if we can let them know, hey, you're named as my guardian, because sometimes they might say, you know, I appreciate that, but I I really don't think I could do the job. And so let's have those conversations now and adjust now instead of maybe creating a problem down the road. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So it's an easy question to have, right? Other than, you know, by the way, (laughs) surprise. So that's not And, you know, we'll offer to clients as part of our process with eLegacy, if if they would like to have a family meeting or meeting with their successor trustees, we always offer that as part of our process. And we think it's a great opportunity to meet everybody and, and get them all at the same table. And, you know, they can ask questions to the attorney. What does it mean for me to be a guardian or trustee in the future? Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So if they're interested, if folks have minor kids and they're interested in in meeting with you guys, how do they get a hold of eLegacy? Is the best way to go to your website or what's the best way to get you? Yep. They can go to our website, elegacylaw.com. And right there on the homepage, they can schedule a complimentary consultation. We'll meet with them for 45 minutes, an hour to discuss what are your goals and objectives and and we can get the process started. So you can go to elegacylaw.com schedule that appointment. Usually we could be meeting with you the next business day and get the ball rolling. You can also give us a call at 888-308-PLAN if you prefer the telephone and we can get a complimentary consultation scheduled that way. Perfect. And you also, like I always say, if you missed the way to contact Ryan, if you missed the way to contact any of the experts that we have here on the show, give our office a call 503-253-3000. Ryan, I think it's so important to talk about estate planning and, and make it simplified. So I really appreciate the time that you and your team put in. And I can say that if folks call you or visit your website, they will be well taken care of. We've gotten you know great reviews from folks that we've sent your way. So thank you so much for being here this week. And we'll look to talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Perfect. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back with more Investing Simplified. I'll bet you've heard me talk about e-legacy law and how Tina and I wanted to protect our family by creating an airtight estate plan. Hey, it's Lars, but e-legacy law isn't just for our circumstances. They have many ways to help you protect your assets, including community property agreements and pre- and post-nuptial agreements. Whether you're currently married, going through a divorce, or newly engaged or newly married, make sure your estate plan works for you. e-legacy law is a full-service estate planning law firm that's completely virtual 
We worked with an experienced estate planning attorney to get our custom plan done without ever having to set foot out of our house. And you can do it, too. The process couldn't be easier. They offer affordable flat fee rate pricing on all estate plans, so no surprises. Go to eLegacy Lars to get the Lars Larson special rate to save $250 using promo code SAVE, only available to my listeners. That's eLegacy Lars to save $250 today. That's eLegacyLars.com. eLegacyLars.com. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However, you're joining us today. Thanks again for making us a part of your day. And as always, you can catch replays of our show available on Android and Apple podcast options, as well as Amazon Music. This is Matt Sudol Matt May coming back to you to wrap up the show. We had a fairly strong and good conversation about economy and markets and rates and such. And we talked about one thing that we wanted to sort of put a bow on, and that's the advantages and disadvantages of higher interest rates. And we went over the advantages, meaning that higher interest rates mean that people that have cash on the sidelines or maybe categorize themselves more of a conservative investor where they don't want to have the volatility, they have some options now. Now, on the bad side, and this is where we kind of led with, sadly, an article about Montgomery Park, which is a local building here in Portland that had been just auctioned off for you know pennies on a dollar from the yeah. original purchase price. and how that's going to be happening more and more around the United States and specifically in office-like buildings, right? Commercial spaces that, you know, a lot of people are no longer using because there's a lot more work from home. You know, there are also, you know, the areas themselves. I don't know how good of a an area that building is around in terms of having the people that would go visit or, you know, come by there or businesses that would want to have headquarters there of any sort. Sure. So, it's going to be happening more and more until interest rates stabilize or go lower, actually, because, you know, with higher interest rates, rents can only go up so much. And if a business is looking at, okay, we were paying these rent payments, we have people coming in, no problem, we can spend it. But if we can have people work from home, people maybe can locate partially at an office or find alternatives, then these sorts of buildings are going to get in trouble. And we were having a discussion that, you know, what are the alternatives for such spaces? And realistically, whoever gets this building may end up, I mean, sadly, demolishing it completely if they can't repurpose it for maybe an apartment complex for people to live in. Maybe it's a science building of sorts where they do laboratories and such, right? Or health-like facilities. Those seem to be, you know, a little bit more stronger, I would think, because of the fact that there is a need for, you know, hey, I need to go see a dentist in person, or I need to you know, get an x-ray done or whatever, right? Or maybe it's... It's a very costly transition. It is. That's really yeah. the big problem is that without any other alternative to turn a commercial office space into a bunch of... Anything, like, really. Apartments. It's yeah, apartments, incredibly, incredibly expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very expensive. And so hopefully there is a solution at some point. And as you said, you know, Jerome Powell's looking at it. Other people are looking at it. And 
there's going to be casualties before they do anything. And it's got to be a pretty big amount of casualties before they say, okay, well, yeah, okay, time to step in. So the building owner may default and then the property goes back to the banks. And then the banks, if we rewind back to the financial crisis, that was a residential real estate crisis pretty much primarily. And now we might have the same thing happening on commercial real estate, which is typically a far higher value than your average house. Yeah. And what Janet Yellen, Jerome Powell, a lot of the Federal Reserve, what they're looking at is the impact mainly to regional banks. Right. They say the larger banks are going to be impacted, but not nearly as much as the regional banks. And the regional banks might need protection. Right, right. So we'll see where it all takes us. But real estate has, you know, pockets of opportunity and there's pockets of maybe beware of things like office spaces. One funny thing to note, you know, they're with the big banks and the rising interest rates. We talked about how rising interest rates really hurt bonds. And some of the biggest owners of bonds are banks and insurance companies and the banks they were in trouble. That's why some banks went under over the last year or so. And what the Federal Reserve did is they implemented this program where banks could go to them and sell their bonds. You know, they might be trading at like 75, 85 cents on the dollar, well under what they bought it for. They could take it to the Federal Reserve and right. basically sell that to them for a dollar. And then, you know, there would be some sort of a lending component, like the banks would have to pay back, pay back at a yeah. specific interest rate. And then they would take that cash, the banks would take the cash and invest it in a money market fund that paid like basically 1% more than the interest of the loan. So they're actually using that as a profit generator, which the Federal Reserve figured out. And they're like, hey, we're going to stop that. Right. Well, the lending facility is going to be shutting down in March, I believe. And we'll see where it goes, if anywhere. Afterwards, there are regional banks that are hurting. There's going to be probably more consolidation, which we don't love because... I personally appreciate, you know, local small businesses and same with banks. You know, we want to have competition. And if all we have left are the big banks, you know, take it or leave it banking institutions that largely I'm not impressed with the checking and savings rates that they're giving. Right. Or the service level, you know, you're just a number on a page. And if you're leave, then there's 10 other ones that come in. So but without getting into all of that, one other thing that I wanted to make sure we bring up in the last couple of minutes here of the show is a question or a thought I had recently, and that's a difference between a financial advisor and a, maybe call it a an investment manager. So mm-hmm. there are, you know, relationships you have out there with advisors where you're meeting with them on a quarterly basis, let's say, or semi-annual basis, and your focus and attention goes straight and only to investment management, investment performance, and just how am I doing on this investment? That's it. And so you could spend a whole hour talking about what's up, what's down, what should we be investing in, what we shouldn't be investing in. And that's an investment management relationship. You're paying for the person or the team to manage your dollars and cents. The difference between that and a true wealth manager or financial advisor, my opinion, would be the holistic approach of you're having a meeting And yes, investment management or investment performance is something to discuss, but what about items like, you know, tax planning? What about income planning? What about social security questions? What about, hey, I'm selling a house, buying a house? All the other things and components that go into the mix. So again, wanted to bring it up. We'll have another broader conversation about it in the future episodes, but just a thought, if you're looking for an investment manager versus a wealth advisor, wealth manager that looks at it holistically, we're more on the wealth management side. We prefer to do a holistic plan and approach. So if you'd like to take advantage of our complimentary consultation, taking you through our 
Retirement Simplified Roadmap, give us a call, 503-253-3000. With that, we appreciate everyone listening. Thank you so much. Have a great Sunday. And this has been Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Investing Simplified is brought to you by Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Price Financial Group has been doing estate planning since 1970 and investment and retirement planning since 1975. Individual situations may vary, and the information on this show should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Other parties present on this broadcast are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management. Investing Simplified is the longest-running live financial program with a certified financial planner, a state planning attorney, and a certified public accountant to answer your questions for free. I'll bet you've heard me talk about e-legacy law and how Tina and I wanted to protect our family by creating an airtight estate plan. Hey, it's Lars, but e-legacy law isn't just for our circumstances. They have many ways to help you protect your assets, including community property agreements and pre- and post-nuptial agreements. Whether you're currently married, going through a divorce, or newly engaged or newly married, make sure your estate plan works for you. E-Legacy Law is a full-service estate planning law firm that's completely virtual. We worked with an experienced estate planning attorney to get our custom plan done without ever having to set foot out of our house, and you can do it too. The process couldn't be easier. They offer affordable flat fee rate pricing on all estate plans, so no surprises. Go to eLegacy Lars to get the Lars Larson special rate to save $250 using promo code SAVE, only available to my listeners. That's eLegacy Lars to save $250 today. That's eLegacyLars.com. eLegacyLars.com. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. 
Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. 503-253-3000. 